Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time to talk. This is Election Night in Late Night with Jarrett Hill. Here is your host, Jarrett Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, what a night it has been already. Welcome. I'm Jarrett Hill. It is Election Night in Late Night here on the new channel Q. Well, my prayer was, please let there be something to talk about by the time we get on there at 9 there's way more to talk about than I think we could have ever planned on. And also, nothing at the same time. Uh, I want to introduce my <laughs> guests uh, who are here with me right now. Uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Mitchell is going to be joining us in a few minutes. But Matthew Crafty, the president of the Lock Cabin Republicans of California, is here. Hello there. Welcome back. Thank um, you. Rance Collins is joining us tonight as well. Welcome aboard. Uh, thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> it's been a I night. I appreciate that. Yes. It's been a night. It has been... I don't think it's just been one night. I think it's been a few nights. Yeah, it's, I, uh, it's, it feels like it's been about a week. It feels like it's been about a week. We yeah. probably will have the New Hampshire results before we finish Iowa. I mean, <laughs> if if we're lucky, we'll have something by the end of the night, but or probably by tomorrow. If you're just joining um, the coverage of the Iowa caucuses, it has been an S show, to say the least. Um, right now, we have no results because uh, the I- Iowa Democrats... Um, have been having some data-related issues where they're trying to get their reporting in and it has been a technological fail. There's an app. Yes, they've been using a new (laughs) app. There's an app for that that doesn't work. Apparently there's not an app for that (laughs) um, where they've been using an app to do all of their reporting um, from all of their precincts. There are over 1,600 precincts uh, in Iowa that uh, are caucusing tonight, which is its own like crazy process by itself (laughs) without an app that's not working. Um, But there are precincts around the country that, or excuse me, around the state that have been on hold trying to report their data because the app was not working. Um, and the the party has been coming out making just very like light statements. You know, it's just accuracy checks. We're doing so, and I was like, I know that sounds like some bull. <laughs> um, and it turns out they're having some significant issues. Um, we've been hearing reporting of, as I said, uh, different uh, the precinct secretaries that are trying to call and that have been on hold for hours and trying to get their data in. All of the candidates have started uh, coming in and replace and like basically giving their speeches right now, saying that they don't have um, anything really to say, but they're kind of giving a bit of the speech that they were going to give, I guess, without saying that they want or didn't. Um, So we're kind of waiting to see if there's going to be anything tonight. My prediction, there's no results tonight. I don't think there's going to be anything coming out, considering we've seen most of the major candidates come out. People are going home. Yeah, Yeah. I think that they must know that there's not going to be a result tonight. I remember uh, in 2012, we kind of had this with uh, Mitt Romney, where Mitt Romney was the winner, and then it was someone else, and then it was someone else uh, within two weeks. Um, This is... This is this is a major problem. This is yeah. bad. We've been talking about for a long time that Iowa shouldn't necessarily be first. Do you guys think this has a major impact on changing that? Well, no, I, I, I think when we've already had an election where people, you know, we had election hacking from Russia and we've had people concerned about the integrity of our election or, you know, our election process, this just adds to it. 
when here we are theoretically trying to make improvements or modernizing the system and it actually just is an epic fail. Um, I also think that the Sanders folks, if he doesn't come out of this, you know, they're going to say, is there something funny going on um, that it's taking so long? I think that that opens it up for conspiracy theories and all kinds of crazy things. I mean, they're they're just, they're just, they already probably have a hashtag planned, ready to trend. I'm sure. One on Twitter, (laughs) I I guarantee you. I, to me, the the way that we use the caucus process, we only use it like in three states, right? It's not like something that's widespread. It's, it's, I think it's uh, like 10 or 11. Well, in this, in this primary, there there will be three, I believe, that are going, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's three. I know that we, um, obviously we're using an I but the caucus process alone just seems really problematic. It's the way that the way that we've heard people uh, that are in these caucuses tonight, like going in and choosing their candidate, uh, and we'll get into how caucuses work in just a little bit. Um, we have uh, Deborah Cleaver from uh, she's the founder of Vote.org that'll be joining us in just a moment. But the way that caucuses work seem anti-democratic, and they they also don't seem like they have anything to do with really like who you believe in, totally what person you really want to vote for, and it, it makes me ask the question of like. Why don't we let Iowa voters just, I don't know, vote? You know, like it seems like it would make the most sense. So, okay, Um, I want to grab Deborah Cleaver because she's on the phone with us right now. Um, I'm running the board today, you guys. I'm feeling like I'm really a badass, but we're going to see if that's true. Um, Deborah, are you there? I am. I'm trying hard not to laugh. Who's, you guys are very funny. Oh, well, thank you very much. Uh, we go thank for you. a little bit of the humor here. <laughs> Deborah. Yeah. Um, I, first of all, top line thoughts. Like, what do you think about how this is turning out tonight? Um, so I just want to say that caucuses are bananas and a terrible way to make any decision. Uh, I, I should explain, I'm from Brooklyn. I, everyone should try to picture a caucus in Brooklyn um, and exactly how well that would go. And I basically think anyone like genetically related to me would win because we would yell until we got our way. And like people like me are why we have a secret ballot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, 100%. It's, it's an absurd way to make any decision. Meanwhile, like I've also been working in tech for like, I don't know, 15, 20 years. Of course the app isn't working. Of like, course, of course it's, it's, not. it's not working. Like, well, why are they using an app today? We were talking um, about this I, amongst ourselves <laughs> and how like all of these people who work these caucuses are volunteers, right? They're not employees. Right. And, you know, they probably skew a bit older. They're probably using mm-hmm. some Galaxy Note 3. <laughs> I'm saying the jitterbug. <laughs> the but. jitterbug that, that can't even take an app, right, that they have to text into. Uh, but I mean, all jokes aside, it seems like a really <laughs> bad way to do this. Um, and so, uh, can you? I, I was going to explain how caucuses work, but you're from Vote.org. You can you you founded Vote.org, I should say. Um, can you explain in layman's terms how a caucus works for those people that don't understand? I I can do my best, but I think <laughs> I need to start by saying that caucuses don't make any sense. Um, so Iowa has, I think you said 1,600. I thought it was 1,700 precincts. And people go in person to the precinct and you designate like corners of the room, right? So you're like, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you go to this corner of the room. If you're for Buttigieg, you go to this one. If Warren, you go to this one. Um, And then you do a head count and you're like, okay, if a candidate 
if their supporters, if the people aggregated in the corner room haven't passed 15%, then if you're standing someplace where you haven't hit the 15% threshold, you have to move to which, another corner which is, of the room. It sounds itself, like West Side Story. Which is kind of what it sounds <laughs> It makes me think it's like Literally. some kind of cross between like maybe I'm that. Like, are and, we doing the mashed potato tonight? Well, that plus like <laughs> mean there girls. There are originally a lot of groups right. besides the Jets We're all in the cafeteria. Exactly. It's kind of like, who? where do you get to sit in the cafeteria? It's also kind of wild oh my to me. God. It's totally mean girls. It's absolutely like, where are you going to sit in the cafeteria? And then like other things, like think about this, like you're in the room, your boss is in the room, your partner's in the room, like people who go to your church are in the room and you're all looking at each other. This is horrible. This yeah. is why we have the secret ballot. And then, and then there's more to it. Like, I just want to be clear. I want to like kind of stop and end with like people physically move around the room and how absurd this is. And then I guess in years past, oh my God, in years past, there was no paper trail. Like now when people come in, they actually write their preferred first choice on a piece of paper. So there's something resembling a paper trail because in 2016, there wasn't. And there was that whole mess with Hillary and Bernie. Well, that's part of what's crazy to me about how this process works is because you vote for your first choice person. If they are not viable, then you go choose someone else. And it's like, "Eh, why would you do that? Well, that's how that works, right? So like in the (laughs) second round, you're like, well, I really wanted Amy Klobuchar, but I guess I'll go with Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, I guess I'll go to the second least person that I hated. Well, so... so, I, I guess for me, uh, do you think, Deborah, that this this will be the end of the caucus process after this like massive uh, mistake that they've made tonight? Uh, I, you know, honestly, I hope so, and mostly because I mean, let, I guess we're gonna we're gonna like let go of the fact that Iowa goes first, despite not reflecting the population at large in mm. any way, right? So that's why I wouldn't let Iowa go first. But their system of voting is basically unique to Iowa. Like, this isn't how Americans choose our leaders. So the idea that, like, the person who wins this weird, you know, what did we decide, West Side Story, like, dance a song, like, is the most likely to win the president. It's just kind of absurd. And I, I don't understand why. Yeah. In 2020, we would continue to have this system with, like, basically no paper trail. Now we have two completely different sets of results. And meanwhile, it's just the Democrats that do this. The Republicans just fill out a paper ballot. Yeah. For I, the Iowa caucus. So the last thing I want to ask you before we let you go, I, I'm curious if you think that uh, these turnout numbers are indicative of what we'll see in the in the general, because they're saying that we're on track to basically be at the same turnout numbers that we had in 2016. What do you think that means for us long term looking to forward to the general and, and even the other primaries? Um, I can't speak to the other primaries, but I'll call it now. We're going to have record voter turnout in November. You it, think it so? Should, oh, absolutely. I mean, I called it also for 2018. Uh, we we have a very polarizing figure in the White House, and like love him or loathe him, he is great for voter turnout. Well, so um, I thought that Deborah, but then like seeing that we're on track with 2016, I don't know if it's the apathy of voters being like, I don't care who it is, just go pick somebody, or if it's if we don't see the enthusiasm, the anti-Trump enthusiasm yeah. that we thought we would see. Well, the thing is, like the Iowa caucus is a good way to talk about Iowa. I think it's actually largely irrelevant 
the modern elections at this point. And I, I was just reading earlier because I literally have spent half the day reading about caucuses to remind myself how insane they are. <laughs> but like people are like, it's a really great way to predict who's going to be the Democratic nominee. Really not a great way to predict who's going to be president. And it's like this weird, obscure thing in a state that has like fewer people than ride the New York City subway every day. So, <laughs> right. I mean, literally half as many. So, like, no offense to, like, the good people of Iowa, but, like, Iowa is not America. Absolutely. Um, Deborah- it's a very white, very rural place. Oh, you guys are going to kick me off while you go back to being funny? No, um, no. I mean, <laughs> like, no, no, no. You're, you're welcome to you hang out. to go. You're Deborah. welcome to hang out with us if you want to hang out. You're talking too but much. But when, when I booked you, <laughs> when, I, when I booked you, I told you I would only keep you for a few minutes. But if you want to hang out with us, you can definitely stick around. I like her. Please stay. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. No, because you guys have fun. I'm like, do we get to talk about everyone's outfits? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was waiting for this to turn into fashion police. I am Joan Rivers. Nice to meet you. Wow. I mean, he's going to tank today, but good Lord, Jill Biden looks amazing. I, I Jill will say, Biden. Dr. Bill, Dr. Biden has always been pretty pretty damn she good when it comes to the look. Fabulous. So, okay. I, I'm curious, Matthew, talk to mm-hmm. me about your perspective as a Republican. You're watching this. You are voting for Donald Trump, seemingly. What are you, what are you thinking as you're watching this? Um, well, what's been said, which is that it's it was a messy process tonight. Um, I also think um, Bernie's going to probably, he's got a really good shot at being the nominee. I think yeah. he's going to come out of this the winner. Um, yeah. And I think even if he doesn't, he'll have done well. And if he doesn't, I think a lot of his supporters will still say that he did win and there was something yeah, absolutely. wrong that happened. So I think he has momentum coming out of this. I think everything that's been kind of thrown at him recently has not, um, has not hurt that momentum. And it, that's going to be a really interesting race, uh, uh, Bernie versus Trump. That, de- that debate stage is going to be exciting for me as you know, a Republican. Um, really quickly, Rance, talk to me. What are you thinking? You, you are the founder of uh, Bros for Hillary, which has become Bros for America. Mm-hmm. Uh, top line thoughts. How are you, what are you thinking about uh, what we should expect in the next, I guess, day here? Does it seem like Bernie for you as well? Uh, I I am not uh, going to commit to anybody winning Iowa because it's such a shit show and I can't I can't tell if uh, the precincts <laughs> they can't. were showing on TV are representing like the 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 entirety of Iowa because there's also in the whole caucus process like there's how many delegates go right. here and there it's and a it weird doesn't matter how equation. many people voted there because they only get this many delegates like I I'm not committing to anybody winning. okay we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we've got our full panel joining you we've I wanted to take a look at how the candidates were making their final pitches to Iowans uh, on social media. It was rather telling. I'll explain that. And plus, we're going to talk to uh, Karen Oakham from the Los Angeles Blade about Michael Bloomberg's unlikely campaign. All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Election night in late night with Jared Hill. All right. Welcome back to Election Night and Late Night. I'm Jared Hill. We are joined by our esteemed panel and also Ryan Mitchell uh, joining us. From, uh, so you're going to, okay. I don't want to embarrass you here on your night. This is your listen, show, but I will. Uh, Ryan from Let's Go There is joining us. We also have Matthew Craffy from the Law Cabin Republicans of California. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Um, we have Rance Collins, who is the founder of Bros for Hillary, which is now Bros for America. Um, we also have Deborah Cleaver, who we've just kind of kept on the phone because we were having a lot of fun. She's we the, like her. She's the original founder of uh, Vote.org. Deborah. Yes. There we go. I am on 
I am on Twitter watching the insanity. I'm, in I'm real sure time. it is it's the it best is a, place to be right now. It is for sure. <laughs> it's uh, literally giving me anxiety right now. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> it, it is certainly anxiety inducing. I'm looking at CNN right now, and they're saying oh. that Pete Buttigieg is uh, is standing by to speak, and so we've seen most of the, the candidates come out and speak tonight, um, which says to me like, ain't going to be no results tonight. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about the way that voters have been voting in Iowa. I've heard every single. <laughs> pundit has been saying that voters have been going into this election voting as pundits and strategists and not like thinking about who they want. When Everyone's did everyone about- become like spy kids or something? I feel like everyone is like now, like they're not thinking as a regular person. It's like everyone is ready to jump in the CNN like role. Well, everyone is thinking about it from the perspective of who can win, which I which, which you should, kind of right? make Well, I don't think so. I mean, all of, the, all of the polling says that people want a candidate. The number one thing that they want out of a candidate is one that can win, right? That can beat Donald Trump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of lends itself to the way that people have been voting or are going about this in polling at the very least, because we don't obviously don't have results uh, out of Iowa. But how do we think that impacts the way that people go into the poll? And, and do we think that makes them vote differently? Uh, yes, I do think so. I think that I'm a voter who's probably similar. I'm kind of waiting to see how these first couple primaries shake down okay. to even determine my vote. Because if I was just voting based on who I like the most, sure. I probably would vote for Elizabeth Warren. Okay, But if Elizabeth Warren isn't doing well by the time he gets to California, my vote's going to be a lot more strategic as to whom... I think has the best shot of not only winning the primary but beating Trump. That's really interesting to hear because I always feel like as a as a California voter in this kind of election, it's like what difference does it make? In the primary, I feel like it makes a little bit more of an impact, but right. when you get to the general, it's like you know how the state's going to go. But this is the first time that the California primary really does make a difference. Yeah, it'll right. have 2016, a real we were the last yeah. primary, and the decision had basically already been made the, at that point. And this time, we're going, you know. A lot earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember back in 2016, I voted based on the person that I liked, Mm -hmm. which was back then Marco Rubio. Um, but Matthew, I just I don't know. understand you I'm as a human sorry. being. I just, <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't Your get listeners it. Already we hate all me. make don't mistakes. Listen, no, wait. I'm gonna we let, all make mistakes. I'm going to grab a quick cup of water while you continue talking. But, you I, know, you like, there were people... Voting based on his appearance, I'm not judging well, you. I'm just saying, just like, he was, he was the most, wow. he was the most wow. doable out How do of I cut the 2016 candidates. I think we need to wrap this up now. I don't think, you know... Go ahead, Matthew. You let the gays on the mic on a political night one moment. My point was... Um, I didn't vote based on who I remember thinking at the time it wasn't based on who I thought could win necessarily although that's one part of it it was more who was running that I liked and it wasn't you know Jarrett and I talked about this a lot it wasn't it wasn't Donald Trump at that point so um, it's interesting I think that people are focused most on that I think that speaks a lot to the fact that Democrats just hate this pre- or dislike this president more than anything no, else that's going a, on. Okay. Hate was a soft hate, enough word. To, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Unless you're Nancy but, Pelosi and she's like, don't you ever use that word around right. me. I don't I'm a good anybody. Catholic yes. woman. But I think the other part of it is is that we're all glued to 24-hour cable news where, where we now all think that we're you know, political analysts because we yes. watch it enough that we're like, oh, I could do that. I mean, I have most definitely stepped into that. Right. If you listen to my show, let's go there with you and Ryan. I'm always talking about this, but I do think it's Your quite... Your mic is the next one getting cut oh, off. It's okay. <laughs> no, but I do think it's quite interesting. I have I, I don't see anything wrong with, one, voting for someone that you like and then versus uh, being strategic as well. I think that's 
they both kind of coexist. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. they need to happen. You need to have someone that is like likable and kind of meets your standards when it comes to what a president is. And then you also need to know, guess what? This is a dire moment right now. Sure. We are trying to get someone out of the White House who has completely reversed history. Mm-hmm. And I think this is something to be said where if people want to be strategic in, in the best ways, it's what's the saying? You, we're not playing checkers here. We're playing chess. Yeah. And I think that is a prime example of what we're seeing here. Well, I think this is interesting to me this year specifically because we know that voters tend to vote for someone they think can win, yeah. right? Like historically, we know that that always happens. But I think it's a it's a unique way in this one because I think a lot of people are paying a lot more attention to politics than they ever did. Yes. I keep saying like my parents are telling me can tell me who the secretary of state is and, you know, the cabinet secretary, like and in ways that they never did in the past, mm-hmm. right? They didn't right. care about politics. And so it's interesting to me when we were talking to Deborah and, and Deborah, feel free to jump in here as well about enthusiasm because I'm really curious to see how this is going to turn out because if I, I don't know that there's enough anti-Trump enthusiasm to uh, get people to come out to for whoever the Democratic nominee is. Uh, Deborah, what's your perspective there? Um, hmm, okay, so I I'm going to be careful to not talk about who's going to win okay. or not because I run a nonpartisan organization. I just think in general it, it may be less. Maybe you don't want to look at it as anti-Trump. I just think people are starting to see now that their votes really do matter. And But if we are going to talk about who can beat Trump, I think it's also important to acknowledge that he actually lost by the largest yes. uh, margin ever. And if not for a completely like antiquated system, he wouldn't be the president. So when people ask me, can X, Y, or Z beat Trump? I'm like, well, anyone can beat Trump. He lost the last election well, but i will were- say hey i do i do think you guys are right that everyone's trying to be a pundit right now but you can't win if people aren't enthusiastic about you i mean ask you know john Kerry or al gore mm-hmm. but deborah i i also i'm fascinated by this because like the idea of beat trump always has an asterisk next to it for mm-hmm. me because like i mean technically hillary clinton depending on how you look did. at it did beat trump right there was also reporting in the new york times uh, maybe the middle of last year that said Donald Trump is kind of on track if we just look at the way that polling and approval ratings and all that kind of stuff go in different states. He could lose this election by a greater margin in the elect in the popular vote win. and still win. They they estimated that you know last time he lost by three million and this time he could lose by five million. Matthew, as a Republican mm-hmm. who is supporting Trump, how do you feel about the idea that he could lose by a larger margin, right? No matter who the Democrat is, um, and still be president. Well, I mean, this has been our system for forever. (laughs) I mean, it's been our system for forever. It's never a problem until we have this happen, which it's happened under Republican presidents, you know, George W. Bush. Well, but I mean, you're well aware that like Republicans have won one popular vote since 1992, right? So like you guys, Republican presidents have won one popular vote, and that was Mm -hmm. in 2004 with the second term of George W. Bush. Every other popular vote um, has skewed toward Democrats. And so I feel like Republicans know that information and that's part of why probably Republicans I think try and suppress the vote as much and all that kind of stuff. But well, that's a different conversation. I, I feel differently about that, but I, I do think if this is the system You feel we differently know, about what? About that Republicans are trying to suppress, you know, voter turnout because it, it benefits them on I know I'm the You I guys can't the, you guys I, can't I, I wait, 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 I need evidence to you have to support you, that they I need, do that. To, I need to paint the picture because <laughs> but, people at home can't see this. <laughs> Matthew is sitting between to the other two guys and both of you leaned out and looked at him like what that's yeah. so funny but go ahead i mean that's that we could probably do a whole show we sure on, could. on that but 
I don't think it's based on you know trying to game the electoral. Co- I don't think it's an active strategy. But you I don't also, think it's an active I don't strategy. Think it's an active strategy. I just think it's worked out that way. And I think wow. I think if it's worked and we've had it for all these times, and now it's only a problem because it's it's worked out a couple times where the president has lost the popular vote but has won the electoral college. You know, if we want to change the law, let's change the law. But I think for people to say, well, he's not really the elected president or he's not he's not really there's an asterisk, that's that's not actually how we elect our presidents. It is what we have. We can disagree with it, but it is what okay. we have. It's the law. So I, I went I, on to social Can I respond to that? Yes, sure. please do. As, especially as someone who comes from technology saying this is uh, like the number one warning flag of like any company that's trying to dominate a space is the words, this is the way we've always done it. I mean, that's a path that's right. to mediocrity and failure. I'm not um, saying we and, can't change it, but I'm saying it is what we have. No, no, I mean, I, I, I hear you that it, it's what we have, but it's a system that was designed like 200 years ago when the entire population of the country could sit in my mother's apartment in Brooklyn. So saying that a system that worked 200 years ago, like meets the modern demand, I think is really setting us up for failure. And the problem with the asterisk after Trump won is that realistically, he doesn't have a mandate to lead. And we have American citizens who don't have faith in the electoral process anymore. I, f- uh, I, f- I feel like we could have a really spicy conversation about this for a long time. Um, I want to move on to the ways that the candidates in Iowa, uh, they kind of make their last pitches on social media. Ryan, you're obviously the, uh, the social media guru of Channel Q. First but I, of all. Is that <laughs> is that not accurate? I, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Okay, you just I just have a lot that. of followers. But I did have something to say about the other conversation, but you just kind of pimped Great. So um, I, went on, I went on Instagram. <laughs> I went on Instagram earlier today. This is what voter because... suppression looks like, actually. Are you, are you done? Um, no, but seriously, really quick. Really quick. Go ahead. So going back to the enthusiasm conversation, I do think there's a, a communication flaw where a lot of people don't understand what a lot of these conversations when it comes to talk about politics are. Um, one specific example is impeachment. Everyone is hearing the word impeachment, meaning Donald Trump is out. And I think a lot of times people get frustrated around politics and they don't know what is going on. And yeah, people are more involved in it, but that doesn't mean they have an understanding. And I think that could be something that could really F like the Democratic Party up when it comes to um, not getting the voters out instead of just the the anti-Trumps. I think there needs to be enthusiasm about learning what this stuff is about besides just like talking about it because we're all interested in it. But I do think there's a large amount of people that have no clue what that is happening or what is going on and that can affect really the turnout voting for something is always a stronger emotion than voting against something right and that's Absolutely. like something that you know the Amen democrats if they're gonna that. win yeah yeah well so to that end bernie sanders on instagram each of the can- well most of the candidates put out a video today that was geared toward the iowa voter that wanted them to to kind of make their last appeal and i was fascinated i went right before the people were going into the caucuses to see like who had done what who had what to say and i was fascinated by the contrast between a Bernie Sanders video versus an Elizabeth Warren video. Uh, Take a listen to what Bernie Sanders did. Bernie's honest. Real. Dedicated. Compassionate. Angry. Rightfully so. What you see is what you get. And that's just, I think, his nature. That's the kind of person I want to see running the country. I don't need a reality TV star president. Bernie Sanders is the only one I trust. So that was Bernie Sanders' video. It was he, he very speak? short. He didn't speak at all. It's all surrogates. It's, mind you, all white people, um, wow. if you're watching the video. But it was interesting to me because he doesn't appear in this ad at all. Contrast that with Elizabeth Warren. This is uh, what her video looked like. Happy Caucus Day, Iowa. Today is the day you make your voice heard. 
Today is the day we fight side by side for big structural change. I am grateful down to my toes for the movement our grassroots supporters. I'm going to pull it here because it's for it's 45 years. seconds of her talking directly to camera. I need my future kids. Have, <laughs> having I need my f- a beer with her husband uh, as she did that commercial. I need my future kids to learn the ABCs from her because honestly, <laughs> she's inspiring. And I love that she speaks to me like I don't understand math. I, my mom is an ele- was an elementary school teacher and now she teaches kids how to teach but that's a different situation um enough about my mom she reminds me of my mom <laughs> yes um as an el- a, for- a son of an elementary school teacher mm-hmm. this sounds like an elementary school teacher and it made me so happy when she said it's amazing <laughs> yeah okay so deborah how do voters tend what how do voters respond to this kind of content is it where it's speaking directly to camera as opposed to like really trying to make a message that is about what everyone has to say about you what is, what is the strategy in that oh i'm gonna be honest that one's tough Mm. I mean, you test it and you just see the results. I couldn't, I, uh, like my gut tells me anytime someone's speaking to the camera, it's going to go over better. Mm -hmm. But like 2020 is wild. It's just wild. I feel like everything we know has gone straight out the window. Uh, It's midnight on the East Coast. and We don't have Iowa caucus results. So I am not going to make a prediction on that one. (laughs) Okay. Apparently, Buttigieg (laughs) in his speech that he's giving right now is essentially claiming victory. I mean, and if I were him, (gasps) I'd do it Really? Yeah. (laughs) If I were him, He says, we don't know the results, but I'm pretty confident. (laughs) That must mean I won. And and that's also really gross, and I'm kind of over him already. Deborah, I want to thank you for joining us. I really appreciate you being here with us and sticking around (laughs) a little bit longer. I want to get in one last thing, just because you're the last one at the club doesn't mean you won. You can't claim victory. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, he gonna be, he's going to be embarrassed when he finds out he didn't win. I'm 100% there with you. Like, I think it's bold, but it, it also makes for great news for him, right? It makes right. great media for him to come out as his triumphant candidate because he has to go to New Hampshire tomorrow, right, and get people to vote for him. So thank you so much, Deborah. We appreciate you. Thank you. Um, talking to you guys. Yes, of course. Uh, Deborah said that everything is kind of um, everything's kind of thrown out the window, and we're being very unconventional. I want to bring in uh, Karen Oakham from the Los Angeles Ooh, Blade hey. because Karen just did this piece on Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg, you know, notably skipped the first four states. Right? He's not even in any of these contests. He's jumping in on Super Tuesday, and he's saying like he wants to go about this in a way where he's not taking donors, he's funding it himself, and he's making the full court blitz. He for doesn't all need the, to all take donors. States. He doesn't need to, but it is controversial that he's not going to donors. Mm. Karen, um, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So talk to me about Michael Bloomberg's strategy and what is he thinking tonight looking at uh, the debacle going on in Iowa tonight? I think he thinks he's pretty smart. Uh, (laughs) Uh, But but, uh, are you there? I'm here. Okay, Um, let's correct one thing, like right off the bat, though. It's not that he is skipping the four states uh, because he wants to. Uh, He did not, when he entered the race, it was too late to qualify to get into those, uh, uh, you know, those uh, primaries and the caucuses. One of the other issues has been the debates, and as you probably well know, the Democratic uh, Party has changed the rules now, eliminating how many people need to raise, how the candidates need to raise money from how many people. So now uh, he will be at the next debate, which is 
uh, February 16th, I think. In, we will be uh, here for that on Friday. And that, it's actually a controversial point that you're bringing up because there are a lot of people who are upset about it because they didn't change the rules for Cory Booker and Kamala mm-hmm. Harris or, or Julian Castro, but now they're changing the rules for Michael Bloomberg. Interesting. I, I mean, there are plenty of people who, who, have, What's the difference? who have feelings <laughs> about that. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, on two sides, though, because <laughs> Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, a lot of people have come out and complained that the rules were changed in order to get Bloomberg in, right. thinking that he sort of bought them out. And and it may partially be the fact that Bloomberg has also promised, even if he doesn't get the uh, nomination, he's going to back whoever the nominee is because his primary intent is getting Trump out. Right. He did say that he plans on keeping People his money in like the race, Nicole even if he... Vichar, but that doesn't make it right. She welcomes uh, Bloomberg in the debate because she'd rather have him on the stage with her where she can challenge him rather than having all these ads air every place. The guy is running a national campaign. He's not focused on those first four states. But he is running ads in those four states. There were people who caucused for him in Iowa tonight, and he's not running. Yeah. You know, he's seven points up in Michigan uh, over, over Trump. Uh, you know, he's running ads in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and all the swing states already. I'm curious how uh, my panel here, I'm curious what you guys think about Michael Bloomberg going up against Donald Trump. Donald Trump this past week was making fun of him on Twitter for being short. Mini he Mike. Was, he was like, he was like going it. after him with personal attacks. But it's like, is how, how do you see these two New Yorkers, right? These two New York billionaires going up against each other in a race. Matthew, I'm curious how you see that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think uh, Bloomberg's record in New York, I mean, a lot of the things that um, he would want to take credit for or the things that they maybe even saw eye to eye on when Trump, you know, was just a private citizen, you know, Bloomberg is going to probably not be campaigning on, um, you know, controversial police policies and some of those Stop things. Stop and frisk. That, like, exactly. we, we should name that what, right. exactly what it is. Exactly. Stop and frisk was something that was really controversial. For, and apparently a whole slew of black mayors have like Nutter and, you know, the Washington, D.C. mayor just uh, this weekend, a whole slew of African-American mayors have apparently accepted his apology. Everyone has black friends, Karen. Black economic policy he's pushing. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of with Ryan on this one. Everyone like, yes, has black friends. Yeah, everyone has black friends black. Is, is right. But I guess for me, I, I'm I'm still really frustrated with Michael Bloomberg because like apologizing for it is, when is you fine. Start running for president, exactly yes, right. Timely. Like, yes, he yes, had this yes. policy right. in place for years and exactly. years and years, and it affected so many black and brown people in ridiculous ways. And then to come back and be like. Oh my bad, guys! Right. I have black friends now. Like that and is not going to be enough. I need black votes. I need actual black voters yeah, to come right. out for me to win this thing. So yeah, of course he's going to change his mind. I don't. I don't know about Michael Bloomberg in all honesty, and I don't like the way he is basically what it seems like buying this election. I mean, spending over what is it close to two hundred and fifty million dollars at this? point? I don't think it's quite so, that high, but I know like, it's well over one hundred. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's like or Karen. It's, actually, how much has it so has it been so far? 
$300 million. Oh, my God. Mark. Oh, my oh, God. Excuse me. Okay. Like, are you kidding me? And so the idea, wow. and I even don't even fall for the idea of him saying that he's going to support the, the Democratic candidate if he doesn't, like, obviously become it. I'm, I'm fine with that. I think that's a great sentiment. But the idea that rules have changed so, that, so this man can kind of join the stage and all, it just feels very rigged. It seems like it's... I mean, fueling the conversation, the narrative that, yes, the system needs to change. And he's a prime example of why. And it sucks that we don't have someone like a Kamala Harris, a Julian uh, Castro on stage or a Cory yeah. Booker on stage. It's right. really sad that we don't see that currently right now. I and I more. think he'll be challenged about that on the stage. But to but getting back to this, everybody has black friends thing. Um, a lot of people I've been asking about this have raised their eyebrows about who he has supporting him. Let me give you a couple of names. Stockton, California Mayor Michael Tubbs. The youngest mayor in in the history of of the United States, yes. Columbia, South Carolina Mayor Steve Benjamin. Former Philadelphia, Pennsylvania Mayor Michael Nutter. Those are just some of whom are part of this Mayors for Mike campaign. But and Karen, I have to tell you this: uh, as we as we talk about how many black people are supporting Michael Bloomberg, this makes me think about like the crime bill in the '90s, right? When like there were all of these black folks who came out supporting the the crime bill, and like the way we look back at that in history now, it's like. Whoa, that was a really bad choice. Yeah. So it, it makes me, I, I get that there are a lot of black folks that are supporting him now, and and I, I think there's real value in that, but I, I can't help but like think about the 90s and the Clintons with the crime bill. It, 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 right, but that's, what I'm, that's why I'm giving you those names, because it's, look who is supporting him. It's just a really, I mean, these are not far-fetched people. You know, the, they have substance to him. Let me throw one other thing at you, be, you know, before we run out of time, because, uh, you know, this whole thing about the ads, I think that there are a lot of people who are kind of looking forward to sort of the smackdown, you know, a kind of New York City old-fashioned smackdown between one billionaire who's richer than the other and will call him out on it. Uh, I mean, you know, yeah, uh, Trump talked about how, uh, you know, how short Bloomberg is and says, he wants a box for the debates and they made fun of him and all this. But Bloomberg, and this is in my my piece, which is now posted on LosAngelesBlade.com, and I, I urge people to look at it. But he has a piece about uh, hiring Donald Trump in New York. Uh, to do a golf course for him. And he said, yes, that's true. I did do that. But it's, uh, what's the quote? He says, that's true. But he was the only bidder and running a golf course is the only job I would hire him for. Mm-hmm. I hear and that. he add, it shows a very overweight Donald Trump. And one shot has Trump on his hands and knees. Oh, God. Climbing up a grassy whatever knoll or whatever. No one wants Presumably to see that. No one wants to see that. Uh, Karen, before before we run out of time, I want to let uh, Matthew get a question in for you. Hi, Karen. Just had a quick question. Did you discuss with him at all the the whole? You know, I don't know if it's a controversy, but the fact that Bloomberg News is not going to be covering his campaign or any of the other Democrats, but will be covering. Uh, or doing articles on the Trump campaign has that is anybody feel I feel like that's kind of weird to me weird. we we have literally one minute left that's yeah. about a 30 minute conversation okay. but Karen I'll let you take a quick stab at it 
Well, on the conference call, Bloomberg talked to us. We were not allowed to talk to him. He didn't take questions. We did talk to the uh, staff, and they didn't. Uh, n- that question did not come up. But I do know that Trump is not allowing Bloomberg uh, reporters anywhere near anything that they're doing. Uh, and CNN has just been uh, uh, disinvited from the uh, luncheon, the standard um, uh, luncheon before the State of the Union that they do. Yikes. So I think that the Trump uh, folks are just handling that anyway. They, you okay. know, and they smack Karen, back at them. Karen. Karen Oakham is from the Los Angeles Blade. She has a brand new piece that is up right now um, on the Los Angeles Blade about Michael Bloomberg. You can check that out. Karen, thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, what do we expect coming up next? The New Hampshire debates are going to be on Friday, and we still don't even have Iowa caucus results. Uh, All that's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. we got more coming up. Welcome back to Election Night in Late Night on the new Channel Q. I'm your host, Jared Hill, joined by my esteemed panel of guests, Rance Allen. Excuse me, Rance Collins. Sorry. <laughs> new last name. Rance Collins from uh, Bros for America. Matthew Crappy from the California Law Cabinet Republicans. Ryan Mitchell from Let's Go There with Sharon Ryan right here on Channel Q. And uh, I also uh, am going to have joining us in just a few minutes uh, Tiffany Lofton, who's from the NAACP. She is the uh, director of uh, youth and college division at the NAACP. Um, I want to talk to her about like the young voters and and what what we're seeing uh, with voters of color. So we're going to talk to her in just a moment. I'm curious what you guys think about this. What, What is happening tonight? And what does it mean for New Hampshire? We were just talking about the way that we feel like the Iowa caucus could end up being a self-fulfilling prophecy of like what they believe, uh, who they vote for uh, ends up, you know, having the momentum of going forward in the next states and whether or not that system is going to change. I'm curious if you guys think this has a major impact on on New Hampshire, if it takes days for us to get some answers. Um, I think it could take a while for us to get an official answer out of here. But the biggest thing is there's so much going on politically this week that by not having the results tonight, any type of bounce that the eventual winner could have gotten off of this is dulled by the fact that it's going to be not the first headline on the newspaper, basically. Yeah. I guess, do you think it's like with any results that we, if we do get them coming out of Iowa, would it even have a a really huge effect with New Hampshire after everything that's kind of gone down tonight, after all the madness? Would anyone be like willing to even hear it in the way that they would have if this thing would have went smoothly? I mean, I think that the only way it would happen is if somebody had majorly upset somebody. We don't know the results. If Pete Buttigieg Buttigieg actually actually did, he asked Marion Wilmington to turn over the tarot card like yes. you were saying yes. he said she said sis this is yours go out there if she did if he actually did pull off an upset that would be something of a story maybe that would give him a little bit of momentum into new Hampshire. yeah because it would be well, historic I, I think what's what also makes this week interesting but it right? has to like, be that yeah this was the moment for iowa to be able to have their candidate tomorrow if this the the, the numbers come out say they come out tomorrow night tomorrow night is the state of the union right, right? so it's yeah. going to be overshadowed by that wednesday the president is seemingly going to be acquitted impeachment of impeachment. Vote, yeah. It's going to be overshadowed by that, which pushes it to yep. Thursday. There's, if without having this happen tonight, I feel like we run the risk of like the Democrat really missing the opportunity of getting any kind of a bump going forward in New Hampshire. So, and but by the fact that there wasn't enough of a consensus, I guess, in the in what we do know of the precincts and that they weren't really sure where it was going, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. And that being the reality, it just seems that things are just as split as they were 
going in. It seems like the Iowa caucus doesn't give anybody doesn't do to watch. Right. It's a watch. Do anything. is the winner and then goes into New Hampshire, which he's already kind of, you know, favorited to win, and he wins those first two, then I think he does have the momentum coming out of the, those first couple of, of but races. It, you but know, to, then, to be but fair, then, he had that momentum. He didn't win Iowa in 2016, but he performed right. almost well oh, enough to win. Won it, yeah. He won New Hampshire in a landslide, and then that narrative was taken completely away with Nevada right. and South Carolina f- because the the makeup of, ne- of Nevada and South Carolina has a lot more to do with the Democratic Party than right. Iowa and New Hampshire. I, yeah, this, I, I think yeah. this this debacle tonight helps Joe Biden more than it helps anybody. Because I think Joe Biden was going to bomb tonight. By yeah. all, I mean, completely looking at anecdotal evidence, Joe Biden was not going to have the night that we thought he was going to have you and know, eight months ago. And this takes the focus off of that. And this <laughs> will take the focus off of that. <laughs> Tiffany Lofton yeah. joins us right now. As I said, she is uh, the director of, um, of, of, of students and... Did I say this right, Tiffany? Of colleges and students? Yes, uh, at the NAACP. (laughs) I wanted to talk to you because I was really fascinated by this Monmouth poll that came out, um, and they were looking at the ways that uh, the candidates were skewing with with younger people. Eighteen to forty nine. Joe Biden had seven percent of their vote. Seven percent. The highest rated person. Bernie Sanders. The second highest rated person was Elizabeth Warren, and the third highest ranking was Pete Buttigieg. I'm curious, what are you seeing with students of color um, when it comes to enthusiasm about a candidate? Well, thank you for having me on the show tonight. I appreciate it. Um, I traveled to, uh, I think in the last month, in January, I probably traveled to about 12 or so campuses. And speaking to students of color, a lot of them are super indecisive. Um, they don't know who they want to vote for yet. They know which issues they care the most about, but kind of feel like either they don't have sufficient answers. We're always giving uh, promises for things that you know presidents can't keep as soon as they get into office, and they're just saying it now for our messaging uh, recruitment. And they also feel like uh, there's other bigger issues at stake right now that they have to deal with on the local level and on their campuses. And so uh, it's been really interesting. I've encouraged some of my students in the moment to take the Washington Post uh, survey that came out not too long ago so that they can find out which candidate best aligns with their issues. And when they do that, you know, they're really surprised. Some of my students have got Andrew Yang, some of them have gotten Bernie Sanders, some have gotten Warren, some have gotten Bloomberg. Um, And I think it's still a really, really, really interesting time for uh, folks to still work through and make the decisions. What I find really fascinating about that is we've had so many freaking presidential debates that I would have thought my folks would be a little bit more um, uh, decided by now. We, okay. You know, they've been running. I feel like every twice a month, but still. Not yet. I, I'm fascinated to hear you say that because in Iowa, they talk about the way that Iowa voters tend to be undecided up until the day that they're in their caucusing. And then part of the way that caucusing works is a lot of people have to change their mind, right? Um, again, we're talking with right. Tiffany Lofton, the director of the NAACP's Youth and College Division. And one of the other things that I, I'm curious about is you said that they, they don't know which candidate they're going to be voting for um, just yet, and they're more indecisive than you would have expected. But college students are often first-time voters, right? And so I'm, I'm I'm curious if you feel like they are going to even turn out to the polls when it comes time uh, for November. Absolutely. That's without a question. Okay. Um, That's without a question. Yeah. No, folks are definitely showing up. Uh, It's just right now which candidate they want to vote for they're not clear on. And what's really remarkable is, you know, I, I, I think that every year 
you know, the progressive movement and nonprofit organizations make it urgent for everybody to register to vote whenever it's a presidential election. Some of my students, you know, listen, I work with 349 chapters across the country that are in good standing, and they've been registering folks since last fall. So, it, you know, folks are anticipating and prepared and working really hard to register as many folks as possible. They're uh, hosting panels and town hall events. They're hosting watch parties in a way that's just very, 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 very different from what I've seen in the past when some of our answers, not answers, but some of our candidates were a little bit more obvious. And uh, I know that they're going to be turning out this year in larger numbers. The question is, who will they be voting for when they get there? Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Um, I, I'm curious about your top line thoughts on this uh, Iowa, what we've been calling the S show of, of <laughs> Iowa and Pete Buttigieg. One of my major concerns with Pete Buttigieg as being a potential candidate is that he is still not pulling in people of color. What are you seeing with Pete Buttigieg and, and uh, young voters of color? I haven't seen anything with Pete Buttigieg and young people of color. Really? <laughs> that, that tracks. That I mean, tracks. Anyway. Look at the material. Yeah. Look at the material. I mean, that tracks with I every mean. piece of polling, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> no, and to be honest, I'm driving to uh, Fresno State right now. I'm the keynote speaker tomorrow morning for the History Month program. And um, I, I haven't seen the updates about Iowa caucus. The last thing I saw was um, that they, the, the results were delayed. There's still, so there's still no results yet. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, so it'll be very fun for you tomorrow, trust me. Um, I, I really appreciate you calling in and talking with us while you're out driving. We were texting earlier today, and I was like, are you driving or are you riding? You're like, I'm using Siri just to text you, sis. I'm good. <laughs> so I really, really appreciate you, Tiffany. Hopefully we'll be able to have you on in the future with uh, more of the shows that we have, okay? Oh, I think we lost her. Okay, thank you, Tiffany. Um, okay, we've got just a couple of minutes left, guys. Um, <laughs> I, I, As I said at the beginning of the show, I was hoping that there would be something for us to talk about uh, at the end of the show, when we got on the air at the end of the night. I I could not have predicted this. <laughs> Looking forward uh, to uh, New Hampshire and then going forward to the general, what do you think this means for us uh, this week with with all of the mix-up of things that, that we have going on this week? Rance, I'll let you go first. Um... I mean, it's going to be very interesting. You know, I, I I find it fascinating that she brought up the fact that Pete Buttigieg is not tracking at all mm-hmm. with young people of color. I think that that is pretty representative of everything we've seen in the media, too. I also worry about that with a lot of the top candidates right now. It doesn't seem like anybody seems to be speaking to what is the Democratic base very well. I think Elizabeth Warren is just to push back a little bit, but okay. I, I think she actually is pushing for It's just the polling doesn't seem to be there for <laughs> yeah, her. And yeah. and I think that that means that my only prediction is I bet you Kamala Harris and Stacey Abrams are sitting by waiting for their waiting for their call to be asked to be VP. You know, I, I keep thinking, I, when Kamala Harris got out of the race, I thought, if Joe Biden becomes a candidate, she becomes the VP. But yeah. then, Kamala Harris doesn't have the black vote either. Like, she doesn't. But Joe Biden has... Coppola. Right. Jo- oh, that's right. <laughs> Joe Biden has more of a black vote than she does. Stacey Abrams Stacey would be great. Abrams would be great. I don't think but she wants to do it. I, well, I think she might want to do it, but, I mean, this is controversial to say, but, like, I have a really hard time thinking that America is going to vote for a black single perceived as lesbian woman with dreadlocks who is fat i just don't think america's gonna do it Mm. i agree i Mm. don't think america and that's problematic what what is a veep what do you what do you think 
Do you think, I think it's, they, if it's next to like Joe Biden, do you think they'd be like, oh, okay? I think it's yeah. a Julian Castro. I think it's a. Yeah, I agree a, with that. I think it's. I, I can't be Cory Booker because nobody cares. You know what I mean? Like, oh. um, oh. Matthew, the only one that does care is Well, I think she's going to be over it at this point. Matthew Crafty, <laughs> last word from the Republican. Um, what do you think of after this night? Brokered convention. You know, I think. How, you yeah. know what? Turn, where's Sorry. your mic? I'm cutting it off. I can't believe you just Why said that. Why do we that. keep inviting him? He's not coming <laughs> back. How you know dare it. you? <laughs> we will be back here in this space on this time on Friday for, elect- for debate night in late night uh, when we're talking about the uh, the New Hampshire debate that will be uh, happening on Friday night uh, ahead of the New Hampshire primary. I want to thank all of my guests for joining me. Rance Collins, Matthew Craffey, Ryan Mitchell, Karen Oakham, Tiffany D. Lofton, and, uh, and Deborah Cleaver. All of you, thank you so much for being here. Have a great day. We'll see you right here on the new Channel Q. 